Coming to you live from Cary, North Carolina at Shepherd's Theological Seminary is one of us, Kenneth Chipchase. That's me. So, And I'm still in Utah. Yep. That's the end of my story. <laughs> Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. Let's not one with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord, with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. What are you doing in Utah? Have we talked about that? We talked about that in the first episode. Yeah, which I should have mentioned then since we are pre-recording these. Um, and that first episode comes out in January, but I guess I could bring it up now. I don't know when this episode will come out. But anyway, um, right now, one of the things I'm working on is my end of year music review. Uh, the 2019 music review. I've done these for the past few years and it's the most, probably the most successful thing I've ever done on my website, which is jeremyhoward.net. And uh, yeah, I'm going through all the Christian albums that were released this year and that it's a good way to get a headache. <laughs> There's a lot of really bad Christian music out there. Yeah, and I don't. I really don't think people understand just how much new music is released every year. It's really, it's over two hundred albums, Christian albums, are released now. How you define Christian album mm. varies wildly. You'll get to a list of releases from this year, and uh, <laughs> you'll listen to them and be like, "What makes this Christian again? Just the <laughs> fact that they don't cuss or what?" So. Um, so yeah, I'm in the middle of going through that, which takes a long time. And if you're interested in that, go to jeremyhoward.net and click on the music tab and you can find all that stuff there. But uh, my in-laws come out next week. We're going to finish putting up drywall in my basement mostly, uh, which will be really good. So then we can move on to mud and tape and it'll start feeling like an actual basement. And uh, so that's going on. Awesome. And uh, we've got three kids, but we're adopting a fourth. We just finished a fundraising for a matching grant and that came in really quick by the grace of God. And there's a lot more money to raise. So we're working on that. And, um, boy, yeah, it's Christmas time and I'm a pastor. So lots of things going on. Oh yeah. Always keeps you busy. So sure does. Yeah. That's, uh, just add a little, a little uh, nudge for anybody who's like, Oh, music review. Huh? That could be interesting. Like, nah, seriously, go check it out. Um, I always made a, make a point to read it every year. And that's not just because I'm Jeremy's friend, but it's genuinely a good review. Um, and I always, there's good music in there that you, that's great that, you know, end up incorporating into 
church that I never really would have been exposed to before. Um, but then there's just also just good music. You know, I, I made the comment, oh, there's so much bad Christian music out there, which is true. But then you, you know, you come through this article and start listening to some of the stuff. It's like, you know what? There's a lot of really good Christian music out there right now too. Uh, and so it's definitely, uh, definitely good to, to check that out and give it a listen. So. Yeah, the way that I do it, uh, too, just so people know, is I've got a little algorithm that I judge albums on. So it's not purely my opinion, but I try to be as objective as possible based on music quality and lyrics, congregational possibility, things like that. And I'll write a little blurb up about the album so you can find out things like sometimes people are Roman Catholic and it's important mm. to know that stuff. I mean, not that it necessarily means something as a blanket statement for all Christians out there, but some Christians might just might want to know that. <laughs> right. So, um, so anyway, I give a little blurb about the album. I include the picture. I put links to their website, to Spotify, to iTunes. I rank them. Usually the top 25 is what I cover. The top five get a lot more uh, of a, uh, like I give the track listing and I give mm. more, detail about the album and about who they are and stuff. So I try to be as thorough as possible. I started this because nothing like this existed for people who were, who really cared about doctrine and theology. Like me, a lot of the best Christian music review lists, things that you'll see are pretty superficial. So I try to keep this balanced and uh, biblical. So yeah. Very good. All right. Well, we are here today to talk about primary doctrine aren't we that is correct um <clears throat> do we want to have this chart um available for people we probably want to like link this and yeah we'll host it someplace and put a link is it on your website maybe mm -hmm. we'll just put a link to that in the uh in the uh description yeah so um i made a chart uh it was the fall of 2011 i believe i was doing like an internship at a church where i was a youth pastor and um it became clear to me as i was in bible college and talking about theology studying theology and was teaching uh youth at this church that it we really needed to discover a balance between what things we're going to fight other Christians over uh, and what things we won't, <laughs> um, as well as things that will divide us from the rest of the world when it comes to doctrine, because there was so much, uh, there's just a lack of understanding with all of that. And so what I did was uh, I came up with this chart that basically divided things into uh, three columns, divided doctrine into three columns, primary doctrine, secondary doctrine, and what I call doubtful things, which uh, that verbiage comes from Romans, the book of Romans. And uh, anyway, I, I played a game with the uh, kids in the youth group where I had big poster boards with the three columns um, drawn on them, not with the doctrines listed, but just uh, primary, secondary, and doubtful as headings and then a mm. description of what each one was. And then I broke, broke them into two groups and they had slips of paper that had different doctrines on them. And then in their group, they had to determine what category everything went in. Okay. And I still have those poster boards. I still do it uh, now with adults as the uh, first class in my systematic theology class that I teach. And uh, it really just shows you what people think about things and how unbalanced some people are. So uh, it, it created a good conversation and it's gone through several different iterations. It's now on its fifth version. And 
yeah, like, like we said, there'll be a link to it in, uh, however you're listening to this, there'll be a link there so you can look at it yourself, but that's going to be the basis for a lot of our conversation over the next several episodes. Yes. Yeah. And I, you had first, I'm trying to remember when you first sent me the chart. Um, um, what we, but there was, there was some issue that, uh, uh, that I was dealing with or something and, uh, you were like, Oh, the chart addresses this and you sent it over to me and I was like, Oh yeah, this is great. And, uh, yeah, I use that to, uh, help, help understand a few things and, and help a few other, try to explain the, the concept to, to other people. Um, because in the context, um, in which I've, you know, pretty well lived my entire life, um, is very much more of, a more on the fundamentalist side of things where, you know, the, the a lot of people tend in, in my view, people are elevating secondary and tertiary things up levels, uh, into places they don't belong. Um, and this chart is a handy tool just to help remind us where things belong. So, yeah. And as the intro to our podcast reveals, there are lots of different views that people have on this yeah. too, where, and, and what's, what's really fascinating to me is Christians from, basically the whole spectrum of Christianity will throw out, well, this is primary or this is secondary or this is essential or non-essential, which mm -hmm. I really don't like essential and non-essential, but they'll throw out those words all the time. Like there's just co total common agreement. Like, Oh yeah, well we know what's primary and we know what's secondary, but we don't. I mean, you yeah. ask people, nobody's is, defining the terms. Yeah. I mean, the, you don't turn to second Corinthians six and see here's what's primary and here's what's, uh, what's, secondary or non-essential. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's important to have these conversations and to draw lines where we can, because like we've mentioned before, scripture does talk about these things. And so we, we do well to, to talk about them also. And I think uh, we certainly want to say too, as we're introducing this, this, the concept of this chart that, you know, by, by subdividing these things into these three categories, you know, we're not diminishing the importance of, things that we might say, oh, this is a secondary doctrine. That doesn't mean it's not important, right? We, we think all these things are important. Um, you know, even that, that third column, it's tremendously important, um, but it's just we want to approach all topics biblically. And that's mm -hmm. why we laid that foundation in our last episode with sola scriptura and tota scriptura, where it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're putting things in these different columns, but it's not we're not doing it arbitrarily. We are doing the best yeah. job that we can to understand these things biblically and placing them in the appropriate columns as scripture would define it. So, yeah. And, and not to, you know, go toot my own horn or anything here, but if the, it, you know, like we said about the music review, if that's the most successful thing I've ever done. And I say that because Tim Challies has shared it, uh, each of the last three or four years. And that gets a lot of views to my website, which is helpful. Um, but if that's the most successful thing I've ever done, then this chart is the most useful thing mm -hmm. I've ever done where um, I've tried to get feedback on it as much as I can to try to, to shape it and refine it. Um, but it's a good guide for people as they navigate the waters of evangelical Christianity. And, you know, it's part of our culture at our church where, we just say, is this a first column issue, second column issue, or a third column issue? And when we identify it as such, whatever the it is in that moment, that does change the way we talk about it. It changes the way we um, 
we deal with it from a church leadership perspective and, and other things. So it's really important that we have balance in doctrine and something that uh, James White says a lot that we think in categories that we mm-hmm. have categories and this, this helps us do that. So anyway, primary doctrine, where do you want to start? Well, uh, let's start with the definition. I think that's a, that's the best place to start. Um, if, uh, if you're listening and you have pulled up the chart or if you haven't, or just, we can just read what, uh, what the definition is right on the chart. Um, issues on which scripture is absolutely clear and on which the church should not budge. These are the hills that all Christians should be willing to die on. Yeah, the, uh, the key part there is that f- term or phrase, absolutely clear. Scripture is absolutely clear on these things. And to use a, a different phrase that isn't as widely understood, but is helpful, um, these are issues that transcend hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. As we get into secondary doctrines, uh, a lot of our disagreements with our brothers and sisters will depend on the hermeneutic that we use, uh, our mode of interpreting scripture, how how we um, interpret the message of the Bible. Whereas these things that are primary are things that transcend any mode of interpretation, but they're absolutely clear um, in any reasonable fashion that you, tr- that you interpret the Bible. Yeah. Um, now there are multiple reasonable fashions to interpret the Bible and we'll talk about that later. Um, but these doctrines transcend all of that. Yeah. And, and these, these issues, they transcend it and they hold oh, such significant weight to them. Um, that under under the uh, there's a little kind of like a subheading underneath the main heading on primary doctrine that says truth that affects fellowship with others. So these really are issues that you know truth divides, right? Like that's that's something that people don't like to you know. Oh, I don't like that doctrine stuff. It's divisive. And it's like you know what? Yeah, it kind of is. You know, truth mm-hmm. divides from error, and these are issues that um, that are. These are their foundational issues. They are um, crystal clear in scripture and they ought to affect uh, how we f- fellowship with others and, and really who, who we're willing to call a brother. Yeah. And, and if there's something more we could add to this definition that speaks to that point is that these are doctrines that are definitional to Christianity. Right. So if you take away the doctrines that are in the first column and, and in the column on the chart, we list, um, doctrines. Now, these are not always comprehensive, um, but it's at least a start in your thinking of of these things. But if we were to take away all the doctrines that are listed on the chart under primary doctrine, you have no Christianity left. Right. Um, So, I mean, anything that you do in life and anything that you engage in has some sort of definition. I mean, what is, (laughs) what is football if you decide to use a golf ball instead of a football, right? Well, you just took away a definitional part of the game, right? Right. And so if you, if you take away Jesus and substitute Jesus with a figment of your imagination, Jesus, then you've lost the essence of Christianity. There's absolutely, absolutely no substance left. And so each one of these doctrines are ones that, that define what Christianity is. That's why they're called primary because without them, you don't have Christianity. Amen. So, 
So we want to just uh, give a couple of scripture references that indicate, because there are some people, again, you know, I know where I'm coming from and, uh, you know, Pete, there's going to be pushback. No, no, no. All doctrines are, if it's truth that God has revealed, all, it, it's all primary. We, we ought to accept it all on the same level because it's truth that God has revealed. Therefore it's truth. There's not, you know, different levels, but we would actually say that the that scriptures itself would indicate that there are some issues that are more weighty than others and some that carry significant more weight. Uh, so we want to just adri- just uh, bring up a couple of those scripture passages that would indicate that. Sure. Yeah. You got one fired up in the whole, you got one that's in the chamber ready to blast off here. Well, the, uh, the one it's actually, ironically, it's not on the chart. Um, but it's, it's one that yet this is version five. Right. So. There's hope for the future. Amen. First <laughs> um, uh, Corinthians 15, um, where uh, Paul is giving, um, he's he's giving the Corinthians. You know, this is the gospel. Um, and First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse three. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. For I delivered it to you as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then it goes on to list his appearings to Cephas and the 12 and the rest. But, um, but there's that phrase I delivered to you of first importance. And we uh, kind of hinted at this, I think in a previous episode um, where there's, there'd be some people that would push back on that uh, translation on first importance because you know, maybe they grew up or uh, learned that verse uh, in the King James or the New King James, where it says, "I delivered to you first of all." Uh, and so the argument would be, "Well, that's just uh, that's just something, you know, in it's just first chronologically that the first thing he happened to mention." Um, but mm-hmm. as we mentioned in that in the last episode as well, <laughs> it, it carries it carries uh, yeah. the idea of most important. And why, I mean, it's never, we know Paul from reading his letters and knowing his life. He never just happened to do anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Paul was very particular and very specific in why, in the ways he did everything. And so when he says, I gave you something first, um, it was a leading issue essentially mm-hmm. is how that could be translated. Uh, he had a reason for that. And that's because that's the essence of the gospel. Right. I mean, and this is, and this is how we live our Christian lives when it comes to evangelism. Evangelism is a yeah. great place that to reveal what we consider as primary. If you are going out to what you think is proclaim the gospel or share the gospel or whatever, and you go out and start talking to people about what Bible translation they use, um, okay, you have, for whatever reason, you've elevated Bible translation, not just to primary, but to a specific category within primary doctrine, which is gospel, right? Right. If if you're talking to an unbeliever and all of a sudden um, it's considered gospel to be talking about Bible translations or considered gospel to be talking about whether or not Christians should have tattoos, things like that, you, you are for whatever reason, um, making a big category error and taking something that's secondary or tertiary and elevating it uh, to that, to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that, that concept of a first importance, you know, that's, 
and, and what Paul dealt with there were gospel issues, right? He's talking about the, the death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, not just those events, but according to what? According to the scriptures. Right, yeah. Uh, and so he's elevating the scriptures to primary also. That's right. So that's why in this, uh, I don't know, maybe we want to hit a couple other verses before we get into the actual issue, the actual actual things or yeah um where are we at time-wise um we're about looks like we're about 20 minutes or so in so you want to look at second corinthians 6 and second peter 2 sure and then talk walk through the five gospel points sounds good okay yes um so Second Corinthians 6.14, it's a passage that a lot of us know, even if you don't know the reference, you know the verse probably, the what fellowship has light with darkness. Um, <laughs> we can often use that verse in conversations about don't be unequally yoked in your marriage and things like that, uh, which, you know, it's true. But um, what's at the heart of what Paul is saying there in Second Corinthians 6 is that Jesus, Jesus worshipers, what do we have in common with worshipers of Baal, right? And uh, what fellowship does light, children of light, what fellowship do we have with children of darkness? Mm-hmm. There's really nothing in common. There is something that fundamentally divides us that we do not have fellowship with one another. And it's the substance of our belief system. It's the essence of Christianity. It's what's definitional to uh, the Christian life. And these are of course, primary doctrines. What is it that divides? It's us from the world, not us from the church down the road, uh, our church from the church down the road, but what divides all Christians from all non-Christians? And it's not what Bible translation we use or if we have tattoos. It is, uh, it's what, what the essence of Christianity is. Yeah. So next is... Uh... What did you say? Second Peter. Second Peter. All right. Second Peter, um, chapter two, verse one, um, says that, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So there's that concept that, you know, um, yeah, truth matters, right? You know, there there are some errors that are so egregious that, that Peter says they're destructive heresies, even that bring upon judgment and damnation upon a person. Um, you know, <laughs> there really is a dividing line. You know, there really is a point where, you know, you're, you're, if you're on the right side of the line, you know, that's you know that's that's the gospel you're on the other side and it's a destructive heresy um and your soul is in peril Um, and and it's important to recognize that scripture does not deal with all differences in teaching as uh, heresy and orthodoxy that's not the way all of them are dealt with now in this case it is but you think of paul and barnabas and why they separated over john mark it wasn't because one of them was a heretic and the other one wasn't right you think of the Jerusalem Council and dealing with, um, you've got these Judaizers. Uh, well, 
I don't know if it's fair to call them Judaizers. They're Jewish believers who still held on to some certain things to, that dealt with the dietary um, restrictions and things like that. They held on to some of those things as a matter of conscience. Oh, Kenny went into the dark. <laughs> good motion lights. Uh, good response time. The um, they held on to those things um, as a matter of conscience. Yet they weren't right or wrong in doing with that. And so the Gentiles, they were, they told the Gentiles, okay, well play by some of their rules. Here are the rules we want you to play by. So you guys can get along. And it wasn't that one was uh, Orthodox and the other was a heretic. It was that they were Christians with different conscience beliefs on things and they could still play nice together. So the Bible does not always talk about differences as being heresy and orthodoxy, but in this case, mm-hmm. it is talking about it that way. Right. Yeah, so there's also a passage in, uh, in Titus chapter 3 um, where we find a little bit of a contrast between things that Paul says are you know, worth fighting over and not fighting over. Um, Titus chapter 3, uh, he's just picking it up in verse 8, he says, This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good work. So yeah, these are, insist on these things. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So there's that emphasis there. But then we contrast that with verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So, so Paul, it seems like there's, there's a, a level in which, yeah, okay, yeah, no, there are some things that you do need to be willing to be insistent on. Um, and those, those things listed in the verses before is that God saves us, he regenerates yeah. us by his spirit, we're justified by his grace, we have eternal life, the hope of eternal life. Um, these are all primary issues. Yeah, and morality. There's morality in there as well of how we are to conduct ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, it's all it, it, that all comes uh, together. And these are the things we insist on. Then there's other things that we don't, we don't need to fight about these things. And if we're going to fight about it, you warn that person. And if they continue to be divisive unnecessarily, time to go bye-bye. So, yeah, well, good stuff. Um, so when it comes to primary doctrine, um, this is, this is where we're coming from scripturally speaking. And the way that it's broken down on the chart is there are basically three categories within primary doctrine. And today in this episode, we'll just talk about the first one, which is gospel, but the three categories are gospel dogma and practice. So just to give you a little bit of an overview, I guess. Um, the gospel portion is what do you what do you explain to somebody so that they may be saved? What does somebody believe in so that they may have right relationship with God and the hope of eternal life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that is that's what you're focusing on in an evangelistic conversation. Dogma is still definitional to Christianity, and this is important because I think a lot of people they draw the line at gospel and they say, well, anything that's not gospel is secondary. But that ain't true because um, in most gospel presentations, you're not giving a thorough explanation of the Trinity. You're not going to 
every time at least talk about the bodily return, the physical return of Christ. You're not going to necessarily talk about biblical inerrancy and authority and what those things mean. Um, and so those are still definitional and still primary because if you disagree with those, uh, you, you are not a Christian. And then the third category is practice where you, we get into morality, where we get into um, the necessity of prayer, biblical sexuality, um, those types of things. And so uh, we'll cover those second two sections in the next episode, but for now we'll just go through uh, what is the substance of the gospel. Um, and I don't think much of a defense needs to be made as to why that is primary. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't have to be anyway. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're looking for a defense for that, why are you listening to us? I right, guess yeah, would be my, yeah, my first yeah. question. But, um, but it's really important that we understand what elements are critical to the gospel. Like if someone, and this is coming from a, um, so we talked about sola scriptura and tota scriptura. Sola scriptura meaning scripture alone, nothing can be added to it. Tota scriptura, meaning we need all of it. Nothing can be taken away. Mm -hmm. Well, what is tota gospel? What What mm -hmm. is the fullness of the gospel where if anything is taken away, you don't have the gospel anymore? So it's kind of like asking what's the bare minimum, but it's more like, well, what is what is the fullness of the gospel that someone must believe in order to be saved? Don't add to it and don't take away. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, I mean, the, the first thing that, um, you know, that really needs to be talked about the sinfulness of man, you know, that, that we are fallen creatures, right? We are not, uh, we are not individuals that, you know, are perfect, obviously like that doesn't, you know, that nobody, uh, everybody would admit, oh yeah, nobody's perfect, right? That's, that's a phrase that, that everybody was willing to throw around. Nobody's perfect. And, and that's true, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's more than just, we're not perfect. It's that uh, we are, our, our, our nature is by nature corrupted and it is. We are willfully rebellious. Yeah. All of us, uh, to our core. Um, you know, it's like, if you ever, you know, those of you who have uh, had had children or interacted with children from a very young age, you know that you don't got to teach them how to do things that are wrong, right? You know, their their sinfulness comes out very very quickly, um, and that's that's just it's something that is is we're born with. It is with us. We're conceived in sin, as the scriptures say, um, and yeah, it's uh, that's our condition. Yeah, so we've got I've got five things listed on the chart. Um, you can remember it because you have, well, most of you have five fingers on one of your hands, and uh, you can remember these five things. So the first one, the sinfulness of man, the sinful condition of man. Next, next is the unique nature of Christ. You know, we we uh, believe that uh, Jesus Christ is uh, fully God and fully man. He is God in human flesh. Sproul is looking down from heaven saying, what did you just say? Yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I, I prefer the term uh, truly, truly God and, and truly man. There we go. Yes. Good old, good old RC Sproul. That's a classic clip. Oh, yes. With Dr. John MacArthur, no less. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you just grow up so sane just one way for forever and this this old habits die hard 
But yeah, truly he is, because uh, we don't want to speak in percentages, right? That's just not a healthy way to look at things. And so typically when we start talking about fully something, people start talking about percentages and the math doesn't add up, blah, 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 you know, type, type of thing. I don't want to, but uh, yeah, no, truly he is truly God in everything that that means. And he is truly man in everything that that means. Uh, and so, um, and so what's, what's helpful with that in many ways, um, okay. In, in Christ's divinity, sinless perfection. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this is something I, that it seems to me, it gets skipped over quite a bit. Yeah. People go from sin right to the cross, mm-hmm. but we have to define who is on that cross. Right. <laughs> and for someone to just, well, everybody knows when we say Jesus, you know, special, he's a special, it was a special death because of Jesus. Well, we have to say it. And this is especially true for, for me out here living in Utah, dealing with Latter-day Saints all the time. We have to say he is the one true God of the universe because yeah. we know that gets to him. They believe in Jesus. They believe Jesus died on a cross, not in the same way we do. So um, the unique nature aspect is critical to the uh, gospel presentation, even if it's as minimal as he is God. Right. Um, that, that at least clears the air. Right. Yeah. So, yes, he is, he is truly God and truly man. So the unique nature of Christ. Yeah. Third on the list. You want to tackle that one? Sure. Substitutionary atonement. So this goes to the propitiation of Christ on the cross. And um, he was in our place for our sins in his death. So his death wasn't just how he happened to die. Um, His death wasn't um, something that happened that was just purely evil and sad and terrible. And that's the end of it. But there was something that was being accomplished in his death, mm-hmm. namely that he was paying the price, giving up his perfect life because he is God. He had a perfect life that he was laying down in the place for, or in the place of rather uh, ruined sinners who um, could not save themselves, but his life was being exchanged for theirs. And this is critical. Like, so, you know, in our day and age, substitutionary atonement is attacked viciously. You know, many people would try to deny it or explain other things, but this is truly the only way for God to both be just and the justifier of those who come to him in faith. Because if our, if our sins are just overlooked and they're not actually ever dealt with, God is not a just being, and that's a problem. And so this, this really is a critical issue. It has, uh, it has tremendous ramifications for the nature and the character of God that our sins genuinely need to be dealt with, and they are dealt with in the person of Jesus Christ who suffered in our place. I deserve that sin, Remember, that's, that's because of my nature, because of my sinfulness that I was born with. I deserve to have that wrath poured out upon me. And yet, because of Christ, Christ taking my punishment, and there's that substitution, God is both just in the fact that the sins, the penalty for those sins have been satisfied, and he is both uh, the justifier of us through the substitution 
of Christ, he justifies us and declares us righteous in his sight. So critical. Yep. And of course it doesn't stop there. Uh, the fourth aspect to our gospel message is the bodily resurrection, not a spiritual resurrection, but a bodily resurrection. This is absolutely clear that it's uh, um, definitional. Um, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, but numerous texts in the New Testament make it clear that if Christ has not been raised, then we've got nothing. Yeah, so, still did um, it dead in our sins. And, and this is important to think through because there are times when people share the gospel just thinking that, well, maybe this, per this person probably already knows about the resurrection. I really need to emphasize the death. Or um, perhaps it just never enters your mind because you're so focused on explaining the death of Christ. If you don't talk about the resurrection, you haven't shared the gospel. Right. You can talk about Jesus dying on the cross for sins and being the perfect substitute for us and paying for our sins, which is all perfect and correct. But if you don't talk about the resurrection, you haven't finished the story. Mm -hmm, and yeah. uh, now God is faithful and God is sovereign and God will um, draw his people to himself. But um, we just have to recognize as stewards of the gospel that we have to include those things that even we just assume sometimes and we don't mention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're calling people to, you know, to respond in faith in the one who gives life. Well, the dead don't give life, you know, and the only way that we can have new life in Christ is if we serve a risen savior. So I serve a risen savior. I won't sing. Uh, <laughs> and then the fifth aspect, uh, you want to finish it up here? Yeah. The just aspect of the gospel. Yeah. Justification by faith alone. Uh, of course this is, um, this was one of the key issues of the reformation, you know, that we, uh, 500 years ago, um, was, well, I mean, I was going to say kicked off, but it kind of was kind of building for a little while there. But, you know, the whole yeah. 95 theses and stuff like Wycliffe that. Wycliffe and Huss are raising their hands in the back saying, yeah. what, what did you just say? Right. <laughs> How long ago? Right, right. <laughs> so, but yeah, justification by faith alone. Um, we are not saved by being good people. We are not declared righteous by hopefully doing enough good things to outweigh our bad things. No, the, the scriptures are 100% crystal clear uh, that we are justified, we are declared righteous by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, uh, and that nothing that we can do can merit salvation. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 come to mind. By grace are we saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God, not from works. It's not because of our works but it's because of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's a, it's foundational. Yep. There it's not faith plus works. It's not faith plus baptism. It's not faith plus anything. It's right. faith alone. Not faith sacraments or, or any, anything else. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, time to sign off for this one. This has been primary doctrine. Part one, we have to do part two, which will take more words to explain. <laughs> I reckon so. <laughs> Okay, enjoy your day. Have we need a good sign off. Message. We do, we do. Thank you. Uh, have, yeah. Have a good and godly day. Be blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> have it your way. Have it your way. <laughs> That's like contra to everything that this chart is about. <laughs> Very true. Uh, uh, signing off. Go do theology. <laughs>